So Kendra, this is the first time that you and I have spent time in person. Hey, let's get a photo because like it's yeah. proof that it, there is real life that we're actually uh, in person. So perfect, thank you. We have talked to each other, does, it feels like dozens of times yes. over video, and but never in person. So this is a, never a, in is a awesome to have you here. It really is to see you as an actual human. I know I actually exist. I'm yeah. not an AI. Me too. <laughs> so, Kendra, you have uh, you've been in the role as CEO of Truck Stop. Uh, you took on a founder-driven company to a professional management-driven company, and now you're the th third generation of Truck Stop. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that journey as as a CEO now. Yeah, the journey I describe a lot of times as being really dynamic because when I came, when I stepped into the role, actually when I joined Truck Stop, it was in the middle of 2020. Uh, we were just getting used to the pandemic. Uh, and then, you know, things started to take off. So the pandemic boom happened and that lasted for a while. Uh, so when I stepped into the CEO role at the beginning of 2022, it was just a different time for the market, for the business. And I think what's been uh, really interesting about my role is how much I've had to flex, right, and change and adapt to the environment around us. There's a lot of learning in that for our business. Truck Stop is much bigger than it was the last time we went through a cycle. And that just means that we've got more to manage, more to evolve, more to mature across the business. And, uh, and I spend a lot of time thinking about, about that now. So you've been in the seat for a couple of years. Yeah. What, what do you feel like in terms of your personal, you know, where, where are your fingerprints on the business that sort of has evolved the business into this bigger organization? Yeah. Right now, if you were to look at the business, I think one of the places you can see my fingerprints is on uh, the leadership team. Uh, we have had a lot of um, evolution in terms of who's leading which functions, uh, bringing people from the outside in. We have been really focused on blending both talent from the tech sector as well as talent from the transportation sector. So particularly over the course of uh, 2023, one of the things I'm so proud of is looking at uh, the composition of our product team, which is this beautiful mix of tech background, freight tech, transportation that's really good for where we are. And we didn't have it uh, the same way in previous years. So talent is the place where you can see my fingerprints today, and you will continue to see that as we go forward into 24. You brought a playbook, often referred as the Vista playbook, which <laughs> yes. is uh, is sort of an infamous, we'll call it, yeah. playbook of uh, private equity tech, uh, how to scale a tech company in a private equity sort of uh, background. Tell us a little bit about how much of that you've adapted into the truck stop business and how much have you said, hey, that, that playbook does not work for us. Yeah. So I, I, do, have, I do have the playbook experience. What I've learned about the playbooks, not just with Truck Stop, but with even when I was in the Vista ecosystem working uh, with Vista portfolio companies, is the playbook is the place to start uh, to figure out almost what the journey will be for the company. It does not need to be implemented uh, to the letter of the law. And uh, with Truck Stop, I had to really pick and choose which things I would implement when I came into the business. And so there was a lot that we did around how we structured and designed our sales and customer teams. 
Uh, and that was probably the biggest investment that we, that we or I made at that point. So the Vista playbooks are uh, definitely present, I think, in what, in what we do. But as my executive team knows, when you come into a business, it's really hard to just all of a sudden force playbooks onto the business. Instead, you have to figure out how do I meet the business where it is and then nudge it forward. So this is an interesting time in freight. Right? Yes. I think the cycle has been top of mind. We've had a, a number of conversations about the cycle, where we're at in the cycle. Love to just, and I don't want to spend an enormous amount of time on this because I think there's other more other sort of relevant topics that is, is unique to, to your perspective. But I'd love for you to give some perspective on what is Truck Stop's current sort of thinking about where we're at in the cycle. What are you seeing in terms of your data that you feel is unique, sort of uniquely tells the story about what's going on? Sure. There are three themes that I see in truck stop data. They won't be surprising. The three themes are fraud and obviously the incredible increase, historic increase in fraudulent activity within transportation. Uh, The second theme then is capacity, because even though we're in the midst of a pretty large and meaningful market correction, capacity is still at one of the highest levels it's ever been at. And then rates, you know, we talk a lot about rates and rates have declined materially. I spend a lot of time looking at invoice values from our factoring business and year over year, those come down 35 to 40%. So there's a lot of movement uh, that's happened uh, over the course of this year. So when you think about that and going forward and what that might look like, I think what we see is because capacity is still so high, there's more correction to happen, more correction that has to come, and load volumes aren't high enough to support the level of capacity that we see in the market today. So the market is overserved with capacity. Yeah. That's really keeping things pretty sluggish. Do you have a perspective at this point when it's going to turn around? That's the that's the question that ever is on everyone's mind yeah. is how how much more pain do we have to take? Yeah, I hate to say this answer. I think the answer is not as soon as we want it to. That <laughs> it's, is, a safe, it's a safe answer. It is. And then if you pull me and others, you know, it's talking to our data science team. And I think one of our data scientists thinks we're at least 24 months out from our next peak. So not the next up cycle, but from our next peak, which when you look at the data, I could see how that would be true. It's just that it's hard to forecast, I think, a peak or a meaningful change in the 2024. Yeah, there's so many, large level of uncertainty in the broader economy, um, just so many things that we don't know. One of the interesting things last time we spoke um, on video, uh, of (laughs) course, was the fact that you guys were seeing, even in the midst of this really severe correction Uh and downturn, uh, you were seeing new uh, authorities uh, be minted and new members to the network. Is that still taking place or is that largely that growth story of the market and capacity? Is that largely uh, effect? Have we ended that? It looks like we've ended. So there's still new carriers that enter the market. It's just that overall the number is negative. So one of the things we pay really close attention to is the count of carriers in the market. We've been tracking it since 2000. When you look at it for each year up until this year, that carrier count number has grown. And it grew, as you might imagine, really materially in 2021. I think you've said this even before, is that uh, by our calculations, 81,000 new carrier authorities 
uh, came into the market in 2021. That's it's wild. It's insane. It looks like a wild. big sort of hyperbolic GameStop. I think Rachel Premack has called this the like GameStop. <laughs> yeah. It's not a GameStop stock. This is trucking. These That's are right. real, you know, this is as true business, physical business as you can get. We've seen this massive expansion. And yeah. it's shocking. It's shocking. And, I, and, and no one outside the industry, I imagine this was a surprise to you when you took the role versus yeah. what you expected. Yeah. So when I was, I go back and I look at 2019 carrier counts versus where they are today. So stats are in 2019, we had 270,000 carriers that were operating in the for hire market. When you look at it as of October 2023, it's 388,000. That has to correct. <laughs> and it, we, we saw that peak, right? Like yeah. we had some of that churn out, but we showed a chart yesterday that was just talk about a very slow churn, yeah. very gradual churn. Yeah. It's not happening fast. It's not happening fast. Why do you believe there's been a, a, an ongoing debate? And I wouldn't call it a debate because I don't think anyone disputes it. There's a lot of discussion about why do we think some of the carriers have held on longer? Um, what is your sort of take on why? Because I think most folks, if you'd ask them, and I think a lot of folks that offered this up even a year ago, had said, hey, this is going to turn out really quickly. We're going to get rid of all those excesses. We haven't seen that. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think a big part of it is carriers did really well in 2021 and 2022 and built most likely financial cushion that has not run out yet. Uh, I think the questions we have are how many of them uh, still have leased equipment? Uh, How many of them still have debt, which is getting more and more expensive? And so I think as we go into 2024, uh, the question is, will they burn through that financial cushion? So we'll have to see. You know, I was uh, talking about reflections from 2023 about fraud, capacity, and rates. When you look at fraud, that's at a historic high, right? It's never been higher. Capacity still at a historic high. Here's what's not historic yet is the drop in rates. And so when you think about 2024, in order, my uh, working hypothesis would be we're going to see rates that would be lower, much lower than we would like them to be in order for the correction to actually happen. Is that in spot spot specifically? Spot specifically is what I'm talking about. I mean, that is is certainly uh, an alarming, considering how, how much, you know, how challenging that's been. Yeah. If it. Do you have any perspective on the magnitude of a of a potential drop or, or just? I don't. I, I really don't. It's. Uh, I think I say this to the teams a lot. I think right now what you've seen is this gradual market correction, and I couldn't tell you at what rate it starts to become sudden. But at some point, those financial cushions have to disappear right. because they're not being replenished yeah. right the now. Cash flow element. That's right. And so it's gradual, and then I think it will happen suddenly. And actually, the, the question I have right now, because uh, authority data is lagging, yeah. the question is, is it happening yet? Will it happen more across November, December? And by the time we get to Q1, we'll look back and say, oh, there we can see the acceleration picking up. That would, uh, that would be good, mm-hmm. right, if, if we could see it start to pick up sooner rather than later. But the numbers are really stark when you look at it. There's far too much supply for, uh, for the volumes of freight that we have today. It's, it's the old quote, how do you go bankrupt? Uh, slowly and then suddenly. Correct. Gradually and then suddenly. <laughs> Gradually so, then suddenly. Yeah. So it's just, I think that's a, a pretty good perspective. One of the things that I, I found interesting 
when we spoke, I think it was in February or March of, of this year, uh, was the fact that this idea of a blood bloodbath is the term we, which everyone <laughs> I remember. remind me of that. <laughs> I Rachel, <recall> that. <laughs> Remac has a better term called the purge, which okay. is I. I would. Argue, is that better? I don't think yeah, so. It's sure. a bit more provocative. You right. expect a, a journalist to write that. Right. But one of the things that I think was surprising early on was earlier this year is we didn't see a lot of sort of wholesale bankruptcies. We had not gotten to the point because I remember back in 2019, we were writing bankruptcy stories twice a week. And there was a period of time where in this cycle, we had not written that. And the idea of a bloodbath felt like it was an exaggeration for a right. while. Right. This past weekend, I was actually looking at, um, because of, of some brokerage bankruptcies were, were sort of news. We had four uh, brokerage bankruptcies. And I couldn't remember the last time we'd had yeah. any sizable bankruptcy, an asset only or a non-asset only uh, uh, provider that had gone bankrupt. So I was looking at all the bankruptcies that we've had this year, and I counted 29 bankruptcies, and they were happening at a higher frequency than what we had in 2019. So it's almost like the second half of the year yeah. is when we started to see these pile up. And it goes back to that gradually and then suddenly thing, because like a lot, of the, a lot of the bankruptcies are sort of, you know, the cash flow element eventually just catches up to you, but it takes a long time. My, my grandfather used to say that these, you know, truckers are like cockroaches, as mm -hmm. they can <laughs> live because of the cash flow uh, factor in trucking, as they can exist for a long time and negative till they just can't survive anymore. Yeah. Because and the, the 29 bankruptcies were broker bankruptcy? No, we didn't have back. It's interesting. There, to my recollection, mm -hmm. I can't remember before this year any, I'm sure it's happened. I just don't recall it. Any large scale called mid-market, $100 million or more, uh, broker that filed bankruptcy, non-asset. Mm -hmm. Because it's pretty easy mm -hmm. to sort of downsize your company when you effectively have human capital and computers. Yeah. It's very different when you have trucks. Trucks, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that becomes a different issue. And so the difference is that these were in a non-zero interest rate environment. The ABL lines are caught up to them. A lot of them use that. So it's, it's just a different environment, which is yeah. what we're saying. We, I want to get into the fraud conversation because yeah. I think this is probably top of mind for so many in this industry. You mentioned it, that, that we've seen this mass propagation of load board fraud, of double brokering situations, of cash phishing, all, I mean, all these new schemes. And it seems like since COVID that it has grown exponentially. You touched on it. Why? Yeah, it's a really good question. I was talking to one of our customers and uh, the explanation that we came up with together was the reason why there's so much fraud right now is because it's actually cheaper to make money being a criminal, <laughs> right? When you think about how easy it was to make money in 21 and 22 versus how much harder, right, it feels coming down off of that, one of the hypotheses, uh, the hypotheses we had was, yeah, it is, it is easier to make money uh, over by doing fraudulent or nefarious things. I, we have, you know, in the truck stop ecosystem, not just our freight matching product or the load board on truckstop.com, but we've got RMIS in our factoring business as well. And so we don't just pay attention to load boards. We really have this panoramic industry view. And across the board, fraud is exceptionally high, like in all channels. So it's not limited to the load board. But I'll give you some of the stats that we see which is um, we work hard ever since TruckStop was founded. We have been really good about keeping the board safe. 
And so uh, we monitor and vet all of the authorities that come in. It used to be that fraudulent companies were, you could count them in the tens to the hundreds, right, uh, on a regular basis. And now when you look at it for 2023, something that was denominated in the hundreds before at most is denominated in the thousands. So for this year, we've removed 7,645 fraudulent accounts from our load board and then countless others across our factoring and RMIS ecosystems. So there are literally thousands of fraudulent actors that we have helped to take out. Uh, and still, it's, I think what's interesting is watching uh, how many different types of fraud now exist. So yes, double brokering, uh, but there's things like ghost trucks and the fictitious companies. And one of the things that's really difficult for our customers is the identity theft, mm -hmm. right? Particularly if you're an owner-operator carrier, that is really hard. It's like catfishing. Yeah. It's you don't know really who's bad. actually on there. I, I call it, yeah, so effectively it's catfishing. Yeah. It was like dating where you don't actually know the credentials. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is somewhat, it's often, I, people who don't know the trucking industry often compare dating to like the, the dating apps to trucking apps because it's, it's very similar to sort of the, the nature of it. One of our customers actually told me that he uh, cheated on Truck Stop for a little while with Tinder. <laughs> and then I think he found his wife and he came back. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I have to ask, Truck Stop is a very important member of the ecosystem. You, you are, you know, there are two load boards that represent the majority of the market share in the space. How much responsibility do you believe that uh, the load boards, Truck Stops in particular, has to, to really manage this fraud problem? We, uh, we believe we have a real responsibility to build trusted networks. So uh, we've been doing that ever since we were founded in 1995, and we've been incredibly vigilant about it. And so I don't know that it is a responsibility so much as it is just a part of the fabric of Truck Stop. We've had uh, what we call a security and assurance team that's been at Truck Stop since Truck Stop was born. And that is the team that goes out and vets all of the uh, brokers and carriers that show up uh, in our ecosystem. So it's not, I guess I'm saying it's, it's kind of like a way of life for us at Truck Stop is to make sure that uh, people who we let into our ecosystems are who they say they are. And what grade would you give yourself at this point? <laughs> That's a tough question, Craig. <laughs> uh, we, we feel pretty confident about the investments that we make there and the resources that we have. Nothing is 100%, but we work tirelessly to make sure uh, that we are constantly getting better at it. So I think, we're, I think we do pretty good and we are continuing, we are always focused on continuous improvement. Do you believe that DAT is done enough? <laughs> what do you think that's a safe answer <laughs> like i think i don't i think they have been deficient and i think they have been you know here's what i'll say is you guys came out and addressed the issue very openly um i think you came out very we're going to apply technology to it you bought rmis uh you also have been very honest about the conversation yeah You've been willing, at least from my perspective, to have the conversation about deleting accounts. DAT does not have that reputation. Um, I have been openly critical of DAT's uh, 
desire to sort of have a hands-off approach to that topic. And I think it's a travesty. And I think the load boards, you guys included, have a responsibility to this industry to protect its participants, particularly the small carriers and the brokers. It's not the big companies that we need to protect. And I love J.B. Hunt. They will be fine. Mm -hmm. It is the smallest participants, the ones that depend on these markets for their livelihood that have responsibility. And I take it very, very serious that these conversations need to happen. So I, I think certainly Truck Stop has done a much better proactive job being public. You guys have hit the thing spot on. Um, I have seen DAT improve that communications because they've been forced to respond to it. Uh, but some of the actions that they've had in the market uh, – about how they have sort of treated their customers in recent years uh, with uh, significant rate increases have not, in my opinion, that, that money, if it was justified investment in their product, mm -hmm. would be worth it. But I think they have not done that. And I, I think it's a travesty that we have let the industry operate uh, with this, this fraud, which is becoming a problem. And I, I say one more thing is I worked in payments for nine years. Yeah. Um, MasterCard and Visa's networks, years ago, it used to be MasterCard and Visa said, it's not our responsibility, uh, it's the banks and issuers' responsibility to protect from fraud. It's the merchants and that. And they realized, with the birth of the internet, that if you were going to put your credit card across the internet, they had a responsibility for it. And I think Truckstop and DAT share that responsibility. You're both very important companies in this space. I think the fact that you have the privilege to serve this space also means that you have a responsibility. And I, I think Truck Stop has done a much more proactive job. The fact that, that we're having the conversation, the fact that you've been public about it, I think is, is a testament to the fact that you guys committed to it. And I think DAT has been lacked on that. That's my opinion. I think, uh, I think what we've learned is that it will take a village for us to solve the fraudulent uh, activity that we see today because it is so high. Uh, and to your point about uh, the role that we play in the industry, I could not agree with you more. We take that role so seriously. And fraud for us is not a, I don't think of it as like a monetization or necessarily a growth opportunity for our business, but really an opportunity for us to help uh, do good for the transportation industry. So for example, one of the things that uh, we started doing earlier this year, and we continue to maintain this relationship, is a relationship with the FBI, which uh, has, we do this purely to hopefully catch some of the bad guys, particularly the ones that are org very organized in how they're uh, stealing cargo. Uh, us educating proactively the FBI about this is us trying to help remove or eradicate some of those nefarious actors. So that way we can get back to more of a, a normal state. So we are we are really quite committed to figuring out how to solve uh, solve the fraud. And then, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about it's not just about the load board, but it's more about, and it's honestly, it's not just about fraud. It's, uh, I think fraud is because it's so historic and it's so painful, right, for uh, brokers and carriers alike. We have, to, we have to solve it. But really, if you think beyond this moment in time, because we will get fraud under control, uh, and you think forward, it's less about fraud and it's more about do you trust the people you are doing business with or not? And so what we talk about at Truck Stop is how fraud is an element of overall having a network where you can access freight and capacity that you trust 
that is validated, verified, confirmed through all kinds of different uh, sources. And that is what we are really focused on. So yes, fraud right now, but trust is really the the big thing is how do I make sure I've got trust in my relationships? How do we get the, because ultimately you have so much, you can take and address fraud that has oftentimes after the fact, yeah. uh, where someone reports it, you certainly can do some front end uh, work to verify the authenticity of a company, but you still have to allow you know, the, the downside of fraud is just like doing a wire. Have you done a big wire from a big bank lately? It yeah. is a pain. Yeah. Like JP Morgan, it takes hours to send out a yeah. wire because I have to talk to seven people and I have to like prove that I, I know what I'm talking about. I don't think, I don't know that how much of that's constructive. The challenge that you have is that, that we have to get the authorities to recognize this as a legitimate problem. How do we do that? You the talked about proactively about, working yeah, with the with FBI because it's ultimately a federal crime. Oftentimes, these are offshore folks that learned the trucking brokerage industry from working uh, offshore work during COVID, and they learned that there is, like you said, crime pays better. How do we get them involved? Yeah, I think what we learned, uh, what we have learned through our conversations with the FBI, is it uh, it's almost like uh, it has to go from a snowball to an avalanche, right, uh, in order to affect the type of change that the industry would need. Uh, and so what's good is, if there's a silver lining in it, is uh, there has been enough fraud that this has now really, truly hit their their radar. And so it is something that their major theft group, I think, within the FBI is actively focused on. So for us, that's been our angle. I think there's there's been lots of conversations about, uh, I think, teaming up with the TIA and getting coalitions together, right, to... Um, work with, uh, you know, the DOT or the FMCSA. Uh, but but I, I think the it's almost like through the ground swell, at least that we're trying to create, that hopefully that will affect some change over the course of time. Kendra, I could talk this conversation for a long time. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have any more. But I do, what message to the brokers and carriers that are in the room listening to this conversation about what they can do best. Is there one or two things that they can do best to protect themselves against load board fraud? Um, let's see. Post on truck stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for carriers, we educate them right now. My heart always goes out, particularly to that small, uh, the small carrier, the owner operator, where they are caught off guard, just so unsuspecting. So a big part of what we try to do is educate them about all the types of identity theft that is occurring. Uh, our support team does a lot of this as people call in to change their passwords, et cetera. So uh, for carriers, I would say uh, definitely pay attention uh, to the types of fraud that are uh, gaining, uh, just uh, gaining intensity. Uh, on the broker side, I think a big part, uh, a big part for the broker communities is being is knowing your knowing your carrier. So, so many of our brokers already do this. We work with them really closely on it. Which is how can you amass the information that you need to ensure that the carrier is who they say they are? Uh, and we partner really closely with our customers in order to do this and evolve the, uh, evolve on this. And we've got a lot more coming on it as well. And so, I think there's just the 
uh, continued vigilance that I already see our customers demonstrating, but the continued vigilance on understanding who it is you're working with. Kendra, so many things I'd like to ask you. Unfortunately, we don't have time, and, uh, but really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Craig. Good talk, everyone. Incredible energy there. I love that conversation as well. So thank you again to Kendra and to Craig for that one. We're going to move into our second demo block of the day for your Wednesday. Again, rules for this demo block. You will pick your favorite at the very, very end. All these folks just have seven minutes to go ahead and showcase that technology. That's all that they get, unfortunately. Of course, we would love to hear them chat forever, but seven minutes is it. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Make sure that you have that FreightWaves conference app downloaded so you can vote for your favorites. Up first over here on this side of the stage, we've got the folks from Storyboard.